Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Good answer. We're really excited about um, what's been going on at the minute. It's been great. Three, week, three nights last week, we had our Holy Week services in Shankill. It was lovely to be together with all the other churches in the town and to worship together. Bishop Harold was with us, who's a good friend of mine, and it was just really good ministry, great time together. Um, the Presbyterians were at the park this morning at 7 o'clock. I went down to join them. Um, I got to pray with them down in the park this morning. It's just lovely. Unity is a very powerful thing, isn't it? When unity comes, it is really such a blessing. And Easter is a great holiday for the believer. Theologically, I think personally, this is just my thought, that Christmas doesn't hold a candle to Easter. Easter affirms that the teacher and prophet um, and healer whose name was Jesus, um, the one that was betrayed and abused and, and crucified, um, and rose again, uh, lives now forever, and is our Lord and Savior. At Christmas time's a funny time because we buy trees, we put up lights, we buy presents for everybody, we see relatives that we don't actually really socialize with outside of that day. Someone once said we buy presents with money we can't afford for people we don't actually even like. Um, and there's a little bit in that. And Easter, like Christmas is like that, but Easter, we can't even tell what month is going to be in year to year. We don't know whether it's going to confuse with a holiday somewhere, um, and, and there might be a, a dinner today, and if you're like our family, who are a little bit weird, we'll boil a dozen or two eggs tomorrow, we'll paint funny faces on them, we'll go and find a big hill somewhere, and we'll roll them down the hill, and we'll give out a little trophy, we had to ban the trophy actually, because there was a little bit of cheating went on, um, but we usually have a winner, a yearly winner, and um, it's just a family tradition, and we love that, it's really, really special. But by tomorrow evening, when the sun goes down, Easter will be forgot about, yet again. And yet it's the central message of Christianity. It's what we stand for. This is a story which spread through the, the ancient Middle East like wildfire. It was a, eventually transforming even the very Roman Empire which ruled the Israel of Jesus' time. And by this day, by this day right now, Christianity has become the most advanced and powerful and biggest religion in the world. An estimated 2.2 billion people, over 7 billion people, profess Christ as Savior. It's incredible. I read a, just on Friday, um, I, I, I saw a stat that, that actually encouraged me. 43% um, uh, of British adults interviewed said they believe there's a God. 43%. I thought that was pretty high. Um, and, and so there's something. Easter is absolutely central to Christianity. Um, and and it, it's a, he is risen is the foundational affirmation of the New Testament. It's what our Bible all is about. And the, the good news and the important news and the transformational news um, which spawned this whole new religion is the news of Jesus' resurrection. And that makes the fact of us being a true community even 
more powerful. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm an Ice Age buff, all right? I don't know why you've ever watched any of the Ice Age movies, but um, they're, they're really good. And um, they sort of... They're sort of they sort of span around three characters. There's a big woolly mammoth, and he's called Manfred. And then there's a saber-toothed tiger, and he's called Diago or Diago. And then there's this, this sloth creator who's just called Sid, and he's kind of the funny one. And in the original Ice Age movie, they find this, this baby, and these three unlikely characters are trying to get this baby back to their back to his parents, and they're going over some mountainous terrain, and they finally realize that they're actually walking over an erupting volcano, which is melting the ice, and I know I'm having you in total suspense now, and, and uh, as the ice melts, um, poor old uh, Diego the tiger slips and falls, and the furry mammoth Manfred jumps into a chasm, grabs him, and and chucks him up onto the ledge and then climbs back up himself. And then here's the little clip. Let's watch it. Why did, why did you do that? You could have died trying to save me. That's what you do in a herd. You look out for each other. Well, thanks. I don't know about you guys, but we are the weirdest herd I've ever seen. One strange herd. I don't know about you guys, but you're the, we're the weirdest herd. And I look around, we are the weirdest herd I have ever seen. There's something about this herd. There's something when we use days like yesterday and we hit the park, there's something about this herd of people, a mix of different personalities, different backgrounds, different ideas sometimes, um, that might never actually hang out together any other way, but except for one thing that we have in common, that we actually love Jesus. And, and as this one way or another, our lives have been transformed by, by the amazing love of Jesus, and we hang out together. And even more than the, than the film um, illustrates is that we're quite cute and quite weird and quite different a little strange at times. And when the church is working right, something, it becomes a place where the old nature and the old instincts die, and we began to start thinking completely differently about the people around us. We see it's a leveler, class, race, everything. It's lovely to have our guys from Bulgaria here this morning. We're delighted to have you here. And, and there's something incredibly powerful that begins to happen as we mix together, this, this people that we wouldn't usually befriend, we suddenly become our brothers and sisters. And, and, and we find ourselves wanting to bring more and more people in. We're not actually really that worried that they don't look like us or, or dress like us or, 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 or maybe even have the ideals that we have. We just want people to become part of this strange herd that we have become, a herd of believers, something very powerful about that. And when we see the transforming power of Jesus, when it hits that, something really powerful happens. Now, last week, we looked at the effects of how Jesus, right, or God, right from the very beginning, wanted us to be his peculiar people. 
We saw how the devil crept into the garden and he sowed what we, what we talked about last week, an orphan spirit, and how the people, even in this church today, become orphaned. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. Nobody thinks the way I think. Nobody really wants to be around me. And we, we, these things get labeled on us by the enemy. We start to get lonely and abandoned and rejected and unloved, and, and we're striving and poor and fearful, don't know how to actually receive love at all. We get sad and insecure and self-reliant and, and self-persevering, and, and we, we lose our inheritance, and, our, and we have no real independence, or no dependence. We sort of get this sort of independent idea uh, that we are self-made. And so what I want to do this morning, this is I, I, I suggested to you last week that this is probably one of the greatest verses in the Bible and one that we've ignored an awful lot, where Jesus himself says, I will not leave you as orphans. This is an incredible statement. And so to be a true community of people, we need to figure out what our identity and purpose is. What are we here for? What are we, what are we actually saved for? And one of the passages that I stumbled on um, in the epistles um, probably answers more questions on this subject than any other passage, all right? And it's this little passage here in 1 Peter 2. And in 1 Peter 2, reading out of the NIV at the moment, it talks about us being a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. You know, there's a wonderful thing about being a human being. It is good to be alive, as Patty reminded us a few weeks ago, James's famous saying. It is good to be alive, and it's good to be alive today on planet Earth. And we have the astonishing capacity to feel and see and touch and to think and and this is and to form judgments about things and 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 this ability is very powerful and then to feel the profound emotions of all of those abilities that we have and be able to accomplish things and the best of all of these human capacities is being caught up knowing and loving and serving the greatest being ever the Lord Jesus Christ himself and making him our Lord and Savior. This is an incredible thing. You know, I used to own a dog one time and um, one, of the, one of the increased benefits of owning a dog is actually realizing you're not one. Um, now, I don't mean to be, be, I love dogs, all right? So this is not, but I used to look at, at my dog and think for a moment that he's really kind. He was really forgiving and humble and patient. He was a great dog, big Labrador. He was loving and warm and gentle and happy and peaceful. Then I would realize he's a dog. And, and he didn't know or reason or feel like I did. Um, he didn't prize anything for its true worth bar food. Um, he, he didn't think about his relationship to God he didn't know where he came from. He didn't reflect on his identity and wonder who he was and what it means ultimately to be here in the grand scheme of God's great plan. He didn't think about why he was here and where he was going. He was great. And he would bring forth amazing affection. He would listen to my woes and smile at me, if a Labrador can. But he was not a human created in the image of God. To be human and to be a human being has indescribable mysteries. I hope you know that. Indescribable mysteries at every turn. And to have in front of us 
a, a spectacular glory or else an unexpressible horror because it's one or the other. It's heaven or hell, you see. So as human beings, we have either spectacular glory or inexpressible horror uh, in front of us. And it's a weight that either can press you down with fear or it can bury you up with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And whether or not um, one of these things weighs on you um, is what we answer to these three big basic life questions. To be a true community of God's people to understand that we're not orphaned, that God does love us and God sent his son Jesus to die for us, sometimes it's good to strip us back to the basic questions of life and think about who do you think you are? You ever, my dad used to say that to me. He used to think he took a memory lapse whenever he got angry. Who do you think you are? Or who do you think I am? Um, <clears throat> so you're my dad, I think. Um, how, did you, how did you get that identity? And what are you here for? They're basic, big, big life questions. No dog, no squirrel, no turtle, no dolphin, no chimpanzees, no monkey. Ever lost a night's sleep pondering these questions. Only humans ask these questions. Only humans kill themselves and kill others when they don't get the true satisfying answers to these basic questions. And not often do we find such resounding clear answers in one little passage of Scripture um, who am I? How did I get this identity? And why am I here? But I think they're in this passage that we read this morning. So let's take a deep breath. We have about 15 minutes before we break bread together. And, and let's take a deep breath and, and, and get into this passage and go to the rock bottom foundational questions of life and listen to the word of God and stand in wonder and awe at, at what God has to say about this. Now keep in mind that when Peter writes this epistle, he's writing to believers. He's assuming that the people that are reading this are Christians. They love Jesus, all right? This is who you are, he's saying, if you are a Christian. This is answering the question as to who you are. The first thing he says in his little passage is, you're a chosen race. You're a chosen. This is your, now I know he's talking about a corporate identity, but I think we can individualize it. The chosen race, he's saying, is not black, it's not white, it's not yellow, it's not brown. It's a, the chosen race is a, a new people from all the peoples of the earth, all the colors, all the cultures who are now, he says in verse 11, aliens and strangers. We become aliens and strangers and we come into this commonwealth, this strange herd from every culture. So what gives us our identity as believers is not color, it's not culture, but it's chosenness. I love this. Christians are not black or white. They're not Protestant or Catholic. They're a chosen race. They're, they, they, they have been chosen out of all the races and out of all the races that ever existed, God chose you. If you love Jesus today and you are a believer in this place, then God chose you. You are chosen in Christ. What an Easter. What a thing to acknowledge in resurrection morning that you have been chosen in Christ. And this is an amazing phrase. I love this because it's actually really crucial for you to understand that you're a part of a chosen race. I love Deuteronomy 7, 7. I use it in weddings all the time to explain covenant. Whenever God is speaking to the nation of Israel, he says this, he says this, um, I didn't choose you because you were the biggest and best nation of all. He says, as a matter of fact, you were the smallest and weakest nation of all. But he said, I chose you because 
I loved you. Jesus didn't call you, and God didn't call you because of your behavior. He called you in spite of your behavior. He didn't call you because he thought you might clean up well and look good and smell good and be good. He called you because he loved you. There's a great study in the Bible of election. You should study it sometime. And whether you believe in election or whether you don't, you can't get away from passages of Scripture where the Bible says he chose some for this and he chose some for this. And he's chose you for this. You are a chosen race. This is the most powerful thing. I didn't earn it. I didn't merit it. There was no conditions to get it. It happened before I was born. Actually, Ephesians 1.4 says it happened before God even planned the foundations of this earth. And I tremble with joy in it. I bow and I accept it. And I long to be faithful to it. All right, and I want to challenge you as a strange herd and as a true community to do the same. All right, not only are we chosen, but we're 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 mercied. Now, I don't know why that's a word or not, but I'm going to use it. All right, you're mercied, or you could say you're you're pitied. All right, you haven't received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Uh, I, the word pitied probably is the the nearest word in Greek to it. It's not a bad translation. When God chose us, He saw us in our sin. He saw us in our guilt. He saw us in our condemnation and he pitied us. And, and so we're not just chosen, we're mercied, we're pitied. We're not just the objects of his choice, but we're the objects of his mercy. Not, not, not that he just picked us and choose us, but he showed his mercy. He drew near to us. This is lovely. I, I wrote this last night and I loved it. I, I get my identity not first from my actions, but from being acted upon. <laughs> Do you get that? I don't get my identity because of my actions. I get my identity because someone acted upon me. Someone chose me before the foundation of the earth. And someone actually showed pity and mercy towards me. Uh, you are, this is the most beautiful thing. God mercied you. Here's the third one. Not only did God choose you, not only did he show you mercy, but he actually, he, he claimed ownership of you. He made you his possession twice over in the passage we see this, uh, expressed twice, you are a people of God's own possession. You're chosen by God, you're pitied by God, and the effect of that pity and that mercy is that God takes you he brings you into his banqueting hall. He, he, he owns you. He draws you as his own possession. This must mean something special. And of course it does. It means that you now belong to God. You are his inheritance. The Bible says you are not your own, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, for you are bought with a price, with the precious blood of Christ. So you are, you are inherited by the great God. You are chosen, you are pitied, and you are possessioned by God and, and, and he reveals himself in that personal relationship to us forever. There's a great verse, I haven't it on the screens, but it's in 2 Corinthians 6.16, and this is what God says, I will be their God, and they will be my people. You hear that? I will be their God, but in the, the flip side of the coin is, they will be my people. Here's the fourth little thing. You're holy. You're holy. You're a holy nation, um, you've been chosen and you've been pitied and you've been possessed by God and therefore you're not 
merely part of a, just a loose thing world anymore. You're set apart for God. You're set apart. God, God, God done all these things. He chose you before the foundation of the earth. He showed mercy to you. He, he made you his possession because he wanted to set you apart from everybody else. Can I ask you, as a true community of believers, are you set apart? You see, in, our, in the last hundred years, in our quest to make God relevant, we have made him way too small, and we've become like the people we've tried to make him relevant to. We actually have become like them more than they have become like us. And I think in the last days, God's calling a holy people, be ye holy, the Bible says, for I am holy. Be set apart, be different, look different, act different, let your features and your, and your attitudes be different. No backbiting, no gossiping in true community. No, no gossiping about others. No one going home and saying, did you see what they had on the day? Did you see, did you see so-and-so's got a new car? Therefore, that. It's, it's amazing how Christians can rip and tear at one another. And, and, and we're called to be holy because that there's, we, there's no unforgiveness. All right? Don't be harboring unforgiveness. If you act, if you do not act in a holy way, then you act out of character of this herd. If you don't act in a holy way, you act out of character of this verse. And then finally, what he says in this verse, he says, not only, not only are you chosen, not only are you mercied, not only are you possessed by God, not only does he want you set apart, but he says, all of that is for a purpose. All of that is to, to make your royal priesthood. What does a royal priesthood do? <clears throat> I love this verse. The point is, that, is first that you have immediate access to God as a royal priest. You don't need another human being as a mediator. All right, we have one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You have direct access to God through God. Beautiful. And second, you have an exalted active role in God's presence as a priest. You're not chosen and pitied and possessed and holy just to fritter away your time doing nothing. No, you're called to minister in the presence of God day and night. All your life is a priestly service, not just when you come to church, not just when you serve in the park, not just when you go to the prayer meeting, but in your home as a father, as a mother, as a student, as a workmate, as an employer, as an employee. You see, we're a strange herd. We're a, we're a new community of people, and we're called to serve him wherever we are and whatever capacity. And we should be different in all of those realms. This, your life is either a spiritual act of service to God. See, in, in this verse, in Romans 12, 2, he talks about, Paul just talks about this, uh, about giving your bodies as a living sacrifice. Letting your minds be transformed by his living power. What's he saying? He's saying, it's your reasonable service. It's the least you should do. You should be different in your life. And he's saying, if you're not different, you're out of character. You're out of character of what this strange herd should look like. You're out of character of what this true community should look like because something is in this for it. Now, you can see that your identity, the question, who are you, leads directly to what you're here for. Or that's what I've talked about. All of these things, chosen, mercied, um, the other one, um, possessed, all right, holy, all to be, all to serve, all to be a priest, 
All of these things are for this. So who you are, your identity is for this purpose. That's what he's saying. But before I began to think about this last night or yesterday in the study, and I began to think, well, I'm not really answering the middle question. How did I get that identity? How did I get, because identity leads to purpose. But what about the middle one? How did I get it? And this started to really thrill me, actually, um, when I went into this. The answer is almost too obvious, actually. We got our identity from God. In, in case you didn't realize, uh, the fact is our, our identity is in relation to God. We are chosen by God. We are pitied by God. We are possessed by God. We're set aside part to be holy by God. We're invested in as royal priests by God. And Peter says this in the summary statement at the end of verse 9. He refers to God like this. He says, it was him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Him. It was, that's how you got your identity. He called you out of darkness. Now, that is good. But if you hold on a minute, it's going to get gooder. All right? We do hear. We do hear this. All right. We live. We the light we live in is the light of being chosen and pitied and possessed and holy and priestly, and and He called us out of that darkness into the marvelous light, and and so the answer to the question is how did we get this identity? He gave it to us by His irresistible virtue and call. He gave it to us. God gave us this identity, but actually, there's a little bit at the start of that that we missed. He gave it to us for a reason, and this is it in the ESV, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He just didn't give it to you to make to be cool about it. It would be cool if he did that. He gave it to you for a purpose. He called you for a purpose that you may... So, so the full-time purpose of a royal priest is to make the glories of the king known. That's what this herd does. That's why we do days like yesterday. That's why we meet with other churches and other ministers because we're a herd that calls other people into a herd. This isn't just a feel-good factor. This is to actually proclaim the excellencies of him who called us. And so we, in our day, there's a lot of discussion about self-concept and self-identity and all of that. But hear this this morning. In if we define this, uh, uh, what God does in relationship to us, he creates us and, and, and our destiny is in mind. I, I, I think this is really important. Read it slow. In other words, as a Christian, you cannot talk about your identity without talking about the action of God on you. The relationship of God with you and the purpose of God for you. This is true community. This is who we are. The biblical understanding of human self-identity is radically God-centered. Our lives should be different. Our home life should be different. Our marriages should be different. Our relationship to our kids should be different. It should all change. It shouldn't be this and that. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a people. Remember our, our verse in, in Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine, we're in his access. Don't, don't, let, this, don't let this make you into this person, but, but allow this. Allow the Holy Spirit to change your life inside out to become part of this strange heart. Something about that so powerful. So who am I? You are a chosen one of God. You're a God-pitied one. You're a God-possessed one. You're a God-sanctified one. And the very language of, of the identity in this text realizes that God can be included in every one of our actions. Isn't that beautiful? And if I include God in every one of my actions and every 
Every conversation, it gets different. The flesh dies, and your life becomes more centered on who you really are and what you're really called to be. So in other words, in other words, he has given us our, our identity in order that his identity may be proclaimed through us. So how are you doing in that? On a scale of not to 10, you know, if we were to go to our little, um, our little continuum, you know, and, 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 and mark ourselves on the continuum one being low and ten being high. How are we doing in proclaiming the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light? How are we doing in our unforgiveness of others? How are we doing in our backbiting and our gossiping? How are we doing when we, we just like our own things because we're, we're selfish by nature. That's, that's who we are. But there's something that God is doing inside us that begins to understand the power of this incredible thing. Now, and we can tell people about the love of God in a thousand different ways. There's so many different ways that we could do this. But God made us who we are to show the world who he is. And that's, that's the job of this herd. That's who we are. And so I was going to talk this morning about unforgiveness. That's what I'd planned. And I wrote at the top of my page at the beginning of the week or at the end of last week, true community, unforgiveness. And then the more I began to work on it, the more I began to realize if we're really living in true community and we're really living in, in the idea of what Peter actually calls us to, then those things actually should begin to fizzle out. And I know that unforgiveness is a big issue, and I know, I, I've said before, it's a bit like peeling an onion. You have to work at it, and you have to work at it, and you have to work at it. And Paul said, Dan daily, Dan daily, and working at this thing called new community, faith, being a God, a God chosen one. Here, here, here they all are. Uh, I, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's our verse. But here's the key. Here's the key. I, I, if, you, if you miss everything else, leave this place this morning, knowing that you're chosen of God. Would you come up, Ben, ben and the team? Wanna, we want to break bread together as a sort of a true community, a strange herd. So we're going to worship a little bit as we finish off this morning. So let's come up with the worship team and we'll get going with that. But here's the thing. This morning... It's all about the Father. The only reason we're here at all is because He first loved us. And the beauty of this is we remember this in resurrection morning. And that tonight we're going to baptize eight people, four, four young people, four older people. We're going to baptize them in our tank here. We're going to worship God together. We're going to talk about the celebration of resurrection because this is a very powerful thing to see happen in our midst. And so the idea is that, as I say, you can tell anybody and everybody about the love of God and in a thousand different ways, but it has to filter through. It has to be a lifestyle. You see, we often say that worship is not about singing songs or singing hymns. It's not about whether the music's loud or it's not about whether you raise your hands or you don't raise your hands. Worship is actually a lifestyle. Worship is who you are. So I often say, if you really want to know who I am, ask Lorraine when I'm not there. Um, I was thinking of a funny thing this week, actually. I was reading um, this week that... Um, I'm going to talk about this tonight in our baptism service, but in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that, um, that 
he's proven that Christ is risen. He said that he appeared first to Peter, right? And then he appeared to the 12 also. And then it says he appeared to 500 brothers and sisters at one time. And I had a little thought, and I thought, I wonder why he makes mention of brothers and sisters. And I think he made sure there were sisters there because the men would exaggerate. So 500. And then it says he appeared to James, and then he appeared to all the apostles. Incredible, isn't it? And so we have this, we, we have the greatest story on earth. And, and, and the thing that it can filter through our families, through our work life, beginning to change. We're going to hear stories from, from testimonies tonight of, of whose lives God has, has, has come and, and, and possessed and changed. And then the environments begin to change. That's what true community. So I know you're a strange herd. Bible calls you a peculiar people and that's looking down this morning. That's true. And you're looking back saying it's more true than ever. But hey, that, remember, what, remember what Manfred said? That's what we do in a herd. We look after one another. That's what we do in a herd. We don't talk about each other. That's what we do in a herd. We don't tear each other down. That's what we do in a herd. We put our own lives on the line for them because that's what true community looks like. And the Bible says this, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. That you look cool? That you come to church? No. That you love one another. That you love one another. And this love that is shed abroad in our hearts begins to, and it, and it should change. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.